Hello again. Welcome back to Beer Books, the podcast hosted by yours truly, Daisy Ray. And me, April Berry. We are all about appreciating indie authors. We have interviews and reviews, writing and reading you flash fiction stories, and best of all, getting authors noticed by their readers. Today, we are getting to know author David John Griffin and talking to him about his book, Turquoise Traveller, with reviews from us and a reading from David. The interview process was as quirky as the author himself, and it was lovely getting to know him a little. So we'll give you our reviews first, then we'll move on to the interview. So let's crack on. On first picking up The Turquoise Traveller by David John Griffin, I studied the cover, which I must admit I am influenced by book covers, and it did scream fantasy at me. I'm not one for this type of genre, but I started reading with an open mind. The central character, Stave, reminded me of Sonic the Hedgehog collecting coins. However, the things Stave collected on his journey were far weirder than anything the Blue Cute Hedgehog ever collected. David has put an amazing amount of thought into these descriptions of characters, people, places, which did make me conjure up a mental picture, just as I imagine David wanted the reader to do. The story was very fast-paced, so much so that at times I got lost and I had to retrace my steps back through the pages. I am in awe of David's vivid imagination and ability to portray a story. But, as I previously stated, I'm not into fantasy books, and I hadn't changed my mind by the end of the book. However, for anyone who is into this type of book, it is well worth a read. It's got a good storyline to it, and some fantastic description. I found Turquoise Traveller to be quite an intense novel. Stave Swirler, the main character... He's lost in someone else's nightmarish dream that is like overlaying reality. And it's a psychological adventure into the dreaming mind. As someone that dreams in the extreme, I sometimes get myself in muddy waters between my dreams and reality. So choosing a book about dreaming seemed an obvious choice. And who doesn't love a quest? Also, this was weirder than Alice in Wonderland on hallucinogenics also a plus in my book. Of course, that meant stopping every now and again to let my mind play catch up. In some ways, this book reminds me of a computer game going from level to level, collecting items as you go, um, learning as you go, trying to survive until the end, which Stave does, but I won't tell you any more than that. In places, the story moves at such a pace that it can be hard to keep up. And I will admit to being a little bit lost on occasion due to the story being a bit hyper. And there was so much information in there. The pace was a little bit fast for me to handle. Um, I am a very lazy reader. There could have been more of a natural flow, maybe a little bit less hectic for me. That said, this author's imagination is right off the scale. That much imagination. It could have made the contents of this book into a really comfortable trilogy for me. If full-on is your thing, you are going to love this one. So this is the part of the podcast then where we actually talk to our author and today it is David John Griffin. Absolutely fantastic. Hello, David. And what we'd love you to do 
is to introduce yourself as an author, as a writer, in your own words. Let people get to know you a little bit from your own perspective. Certainly. Hello, Daisy. I have written five novels, all in different genres, uh, ranging from science fiction to paranormal and gothic uh, literary. And one of the books is a collection of short stories with a novella. And I really enjoy writing as a full-time job now. That is fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, one could say I'm retired, gracefully retired from my day job, which was as a graphic designer. We have that in common. Ah, I didn't (laughs) realise. That's okay. (laughs) The the most I've done lately is the cover art for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And very good it is too, I think. Why, thank you. You are most kind. That's that's really interesting, David. And hello, and thanks ever so much for for agreeing to join us today. Hello, Paul. I mean, above everything you could be in life, what is it about writing that makes you want to be an author? That's an interesting question, Paul. Just the joy of words, I think, the joy of telling a story and a, a, a wanting to be read above everything else. That's why I write. Okay. I find that quite interesting because, I mean, graphic designers, they design something that is visual for somebody to look at, that captures somebody's interest. So you've taken that leap from being a graphic designer that is a visual thing to being a a writer, which is capturing people's imagination. So there's not that much of a leap. I know it it might seem to be, but there's a, a major connection. So would you say that you are quite an imaginative guy? I mean, I will say this book, your imagination is amazing. Thank you. Is is that what drives you to do it? Thank you. Thank you very much, April. Yes, I think I have a very visual imagination. When I'm writing, I picture it in my mind as though I'm watching a film in my head. That sounds a bit odd, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's quite but, good, really. That's some yeah. imagination there. Thank you. But I've been writing for quite a while. I wrote a 100-page novella when I was 14. Did you? You started very early. Yes, yes. And I wrote my first novel, the first draft, at the age of 21 when I was at art college in the 70s. Yeah. So do you write what you see or see what you write? Which way round do you work? And I really don't know, Daisy, (laughs) where my ideas come from. Yeah. I really don't know. But once I get an idea, I then turn it over in my mind. But I have to have a beginning a vague middle and an end Yeah. Just before I start writing. So that's that's before you start it at all. That's right, yes. So with that then, talk us through a day in your life as a writer. I'm not very good at writing every day. They say a writer should write every day. They do. But it doesn't worry me, funny enough. I call it recharging my creative batteries if I'm not writing. Got to look after the mind. Exactly right. And if I'm not physically writing, I'm thinking about it. So thinking about the the work that I have to do. Yeah. Talking about your day as a writer then and what you do during the day, is that your writing environment that we can see you sat in now surrounded by files and books? It is, yes. It's upstairs and I have a very patient wife when I'm sat here for hours writing. Uh, who sits downstairs watching television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, I call it the studio. As well as writing, I used to uh, compose electronic music. 
and I had a, a recording studio in one of the rooms in a different house, which I called the studio, where I also wrote as well. Yeah. Um, so from that time, any spare room where I'm writing is called the studio. <laughs> Excellent. Graphic designers also need studios, so it, it's all related, I think. Yes. I think that that's what everybody's got at the moment, isn't it? A room of all trades, so you work, you play and in this particular room. Well, and that during COVID, certainly, we're all having to adapt, aren't we? We are, yes. What would be really nice, and I know, David, that you're happy to do this, if you'd be so kind as to read us an excerpt from your book of your choosing, please. Thank you. I will, April. Okay, so let me explain a little bit about uh, the passage that I'm about to read. Steve Swirler, the main character, is on an underground train platform and the tracks have been flooded and he's having an argument with some of the other passengers on the platform. And it's at the end of the argument where I start reading. Stop squabbling like babies in a pram, shouted one of the waiting group. Now there were sounds of the hissing of pistons from inside the tunnel, joined with the reverberated noises of splashing and grinding. Whatever it is, it's getting louder and sending waves down the stream, and the stream's getting lower, do you see? I think we ought to stand at the other end to be on the safe side. You can do that if you want, but I'm going up to that tunnel entrance to see what's coming out, Stave said, and he marched with determination one way, while the majority of the other passengers walked past him towards the other end to collect there. They stood close to each other within a mauve shadow, looking like a single dark block of stone. The training agent, the former bus driver with the double rows of teeth, sat on the platform at his feet above the water. He pushed himself forward and once in, waded away from the noise. As he entered the tunnel at the far end, his shadow disintegrated into grey and blue snake-like shapes and were taken away by the rippling flow of the stream over the tracks. Stave stared intently at the left-hand tunnel mouth to see the beginning of a magnificent metal horse emerge, at least 12 feet high from head to hoof and 14 feet long. Spurts of steam came from its nostrils. Its large head was formed from strips of deep brown iron. The mane was melded strands of alloy on a thick neck. The huge plated body appeared made with hexagons of bronze and copper, globules of mercury seeping from under the plates of the giant's shoulders. There were spots of verdigris and rust in streaks over the mighty body panels. The artificial creature lifted its heavy hooves, shod with gunmetal, as if a show horse above the lowering level of water. Each time a hoof descended, a shower of liquid shot from the surface. And as the incredible animal machine walked out further, it exposed exotic filigree chiselled onto its copper flanks and a moulded tail made from fused spun wire. Lovely. Thank you very much, David. Yes, thank you, David, for that. I Thank love you. the description of that horse. That was that was just amazing. You could just imagine it in your mind's eye sort of coming out of the tunnel. Yes, I, I'm ple- particularly pleased with that passage. As 
described earlier, I saw it very clearly in my mind's eye as I wrote it. You can almost see the craftsmanship, can't you? Oh, that's great that, that it works. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, that, I, I could, as you were reading that, I could see this horse in my mind's eye coming out of this tunnel. So, yes, that, that really, really works. And that's one of the things that I noticed was prevalent throughout the book, the, the sort of level of description and you, you sort of detail into things like that. And, and that was one of the things I really liked. I'm pleased about that. Yes, this book actually was a bit of an experiment. It was uh, a surreal tale that I wanted to write for many years and finally got it onto onto paper and in print. Uh, where did that come from, that, that you wanted to write? It started with the theme of dreams overlaying reality. Okay. Which is the theme of the book. Yeah. And dreams becoming turning into nightmare, the agents of Tremelon, who are the baddies. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a formidable foe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they do say, uh, or some people say, I don't know who they are, but uh, the authors shouldn't write about dreams. But so many have, and I think it's a very compelling theme to, to write about. Have you ever dreamt about any of this yourself? Or is any of this from your own dreams? Yes, in this particular book. Ooh. Definitely. Yes. Some of <laughs> Quite an insight, David. <laughs> not exactly. Is the, not, not the entire same. novel. No. No, that would be strange. <laughs> I was just about to say, can I have some of what you have before you go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too much vitamin D, it must be. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Who do you write for, David? Do you write for yourself? Do you write for a reader? Who Who is your ideal reader? A person who enjoys surreal, interesting, imaginative writing and unexpected writing as well. A lot of my yeah. books, what you call different from a lot of others. Yeah, you don't conform. No, but I do tend to write for myself with the thought of the audience looking over my shoulder but primarily for myself they do say if you write for an audience you're bound to go wrong um because they do you're right yes 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 so let the audience find you mm. if you write what you love the passion is going to be in it yes agreed. and that will appeal to your readers i think yes definitely says one that has no novels <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too who's beeping I think it's my smoke alarm that's going off. Hang on a minute. Oh, God. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is going from... I love it. Work. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Will we catch uh, an interview out of this? I think so. Yes, it's I think enough. so. Some of the funnies might stay in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm pleased that um, your podcast is becoming more popular. Yes, me too. But we are complete unknowns and it only um, came into creation during my furlough. Yes. It occurred to me I needed to be in something with my time. (laughs) (laughs) And this was it. This is what we chose. So we are happy. It's it's taking baby steps and it's growing episode by episode. I think if it grows organically like that, then I think that's the best way to go. Yes. Right, I'm back. Not set the house on fire then? No, um, apparently there's, there's there must be something in the oven, and the oven 
is smoking. And is it clear? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> I think she wants to be on the podcast. Every time we do a recording, she wants to interfere somehow. I know she does. Oh, blimey. <laughs> Just invite her into the room. <laughs> I know. Well, at least the smoke alarms work. I've never heard them go off before. Very yeah. polite smoke alarm. Just beep the twice. That's good. Oh, right. I can't even remember where we were. I do apologise about that. I know where we were. Who's his ideal reader? Yeah. Yes. That's where we were. David has answered that, I think. Did we get to the end of you answering that? I think so. I could add a bit more that... um, Just in case the fire alarm went off. Yeah, just in case the fire alarm alarm went off, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that I write in so many different genres is a disadvantage to, to me, I think. In what way? A case in point, if someone reads the science fiction book, they'll want to come back to read more science fiction books and not find them. I see what you're saying there, yes. Or if you read the Gothic, they'll want more Gothic. But I can't help it. We had an author on previously in the first season that described herself as genre fluid. So I guess that would be you too. Yes, I guess. That's a good description. I like that. Yeah. Yes, genre fluid. <laughs> yeah, I think that works. <laughs> yes. In terms of, of what's going forward, David, have you had any more sort of dreams that you're going to turn into a book or, or is the next thing going to be something completely different? Basically, what I'm trying to say is what's in the pipeline? Right, April, yes. I'm about five chapters in to my next novel. It's called Hotel Pseudo. It's a literary novel concerning a young man who lives on a houseboat who wakes up one morning and is under the influence of magic mushrooms and the four bottles of wine from the night before <laughs> and he's lost his girlfriend Miranda what's a bit remiss <laughs> yes <laughs> now where did so I put just, yes. <laughs> yeah I was just about to say did he put her down somewhere and can't remember what he did with her that before it's not car keys <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's fine. Yeah. But yes, where did he leave Miranda? Or where did Miranda go to be <laughs> to okay. be serious here? So <laughs> it's his it's his quest, his journey to find his his girlfriend, but still under the influence of these substances. Oh dear. Very strange book indeed. Yes, I can see that that would be quite in keeping <laughs> after Turquoise Traveller, David. <laughs> yes. Weird and strange. Yes, <laughs> completely. <laughs> when I was reading your book, April says to me, what did you think of it then? I said, it's a bit like Alice in Wonderland on hallucinogenics. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that was my first impression. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it has, it takes a few leaves out of the book of Alice in Wonderland. It's not based on Alice in Wonderland, but it, one could say it's um, there's a few motifs very similar. It's kind of stylized towards that sort of story, though, isn't it? Or it seems yes. to be to me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All a little bit surreal, a bit not quite what one would expect ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, the challenge for me as, as the writer was to create in the reader's mind reality overlaid with dream elements rather than hallucinogenics. I don't know. I think you lost me on the reality aspect. (laughs) Difficult concept. (laughs) Difficult concept. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. Explain. It's very busy. It's a busy book, David. Oh, you found it so, did you? Yes. I think because I've done a little bit of a review for it and that will be in the podcast too. But one of the things yes. I mentioned was the amount of information and the amount of quirkiness and the amount of things that, because it's so fast paced, you, you could have actually taken that one book and made that into a a meandering trilogy. Right. I think. But yes. that's because I'm quite a laid back, slow kind of person. Yeah. And I read quite slowly. I read at a talking pace. I don't skim anything. I don't want to miss anything. I have to have every word. That's good. So I, that, that's the way I like to read. So I, I don't want to miss anything. And and so I could have read that at a third of the speed. Yes. Which would have made it into a trilogy for me. <laughs> <laughs> if that made any sense whatsoever. It does. It, it does. It, it made a lot of sense. What, what I liked was that it took ordinary everyday things and made them really strange yes April. this was the dream elements overlaying reality you see um, yeah the sort of talks of things about you know sort of figurines and four bells on a table that had melted together yeah. and and you know sort of lucid dreams and and things like that so it's all it all kind of sort of interwin- interwoven and it is it's it's normal everyday objects but they're not normal everyday objects. No, very dreamlike. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. I'm glad that came across. I don't know where it all comes from in your head, David. I really don't. That's what other people say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I, can't I don't give know. An explanation. <laughs> Before we let you go today, and it's been our absolute pleasure talking to you. Do let our listeners know exactly where they can find you online to learn more about you. Thank you very much. And let me say thank you so much, Daisy and April, before I do that, uh, for having me on your wonderful podcast show. You are welcome. Facebook, you can find me, all one word, David John Griffin Writer. Twitter, DJ Griffin Author. And my website is davidjohngriffin.com. Perfect. Thank you. So we can all wander off and find out everything we need to know and stalk you properly. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to that. (laughs) That's great. Thanks ever so much for that, David. Thank you, April. And thank you, Daisy. It's been an absolute pleasure, David. It really has. I'm quite funny. <laughs> yeah, we've I staggered just, through it, so I hope it comes out quite good. <laughs> yes. It will do. It will do. Lovely to meet you both. Well, thank you very much to David for that. If you want to have a read of the Turquoise Traveller, it is available on Amazon. An enlightening interview, wasn't it? It was, yeah. We learn so much, don't we, about the authors and about how they write and what their plans for the future are and how they arrived at this book and the place that they're at yeah we haven't talked to very many genre fluid types of writers i think this is only the second one that just writes whatever comes into the head regardless of what genre it might be which is really interesting talk about eclectic you see i like that about writers because and i'm sure i've said this before i possibly have because i do have a tendency to repeat myself a lot but hey i've got no excuse i'm now 60 (laughs) i say i say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that if you read a book by an author and yes they they tend to write 
sort of like certain genres. So take, for example, sort of James Patterson and that, even though he, he he's diversified a little bit. I like to know what I'm getting myself in for. I read Stephen King because I like his style of writing and his books have a similar vein running through them, all completely different stories, but they all mess with your head a little bit and they're all a little bit out there. I read different authors for different things. I'm not sure. I just want to take pot look and think, well, this author wrote this book that was okay one time. No idea what style he's writing these days, so we'll just try it on the off chance. I'm not sure I like that. Good mm. if you're an author and, and you're still finding your feet and you want to find your niche or you don't want to contain yourself. But from a reader's point of view, you're not really sure what you're getting yourself in for. Is that a good um, thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Sometimes you just have to open the door to your mind. And speaking of which, coming up on our Flash Fiction next week, we have got Come On, Open the Door as our prompt. Nice. Any ideas? For my story, I have actually got an idea, yes, of what uh, of what I want to write about. And I'm going to try and keep away from the warring couples and bad <laughs> relationships. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, we are ex- actually extending the deadline for that because we have been contacted by a couple of people who want to write a story. So if you want to write a, a flash fiction between 500 and 1,000 words for the prompt, come on, open the door. You've got until Valentine's Day to get it into us. Ooh, extra days. Nice one. I've got some ideas for this one actually floating. I've got two or three floating around in my head, so I'm just going to have to decide which one I want to go for. Yeah, I I think I'm going to fixate just on one idea. I don't think I'm going to diversify from that. Anyway, you'll find out next week what it is. I love story time. I love just Mm, sitting with my feet up and having people read to me. It just, it's amazing. Favourite, one of my favourite things ever. Mm, you see, I don't do that very well. I'm not really good with audio books. See, I do. Every night I'll go to bed with an audio book. Well, I don't because I fall asleep and then it just rattles on and I forget where I'm at. There are these bedtime audio books that aren't necessarily a story. The voice that's talking to you is really, really nice and it's like a story, but it doesn't have a beginning, middle and end, so it doesn't matter where you fall asleep. They just talk to you about a subject and it's really, really nice. I can't think of anything more boring than trying to fall asleep listening to somebody talk to me about quantum physics. Well, last time I listened to one, it was about quilt making. Oh, yeah, that's exciting as well. I think on that note, I think I'm going to say goodbye. (laughs) Have I bored you to sleep? (laughs) No, not quite. All right, then. Looking forward to next week, looking forward to the stories. And thank you again to David for joining us on today's podcast. Yeah, see you next week, guys. Stay safe. If you've read a book by an indie author that you've really enjoyed, email the title across to us at contactus at barebooks.co.uk. And if we read it, we will discuss it on the podcast. Excellent. If you happen to be an indie author and would like us to add your book to our reading list, maybe even come and talk about it on the podcast, send your suggestions to submissions at barebooks.co.uk. And if you fancy a go at writing flash fiction and want the chance to be published in our flash fiction anthology for 2021, pop onto our social media for the full list of writing prompts for this season and also the word count at Bear Books Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or at Bear Books Pod One on Twitter. Thanks to Simon Strong for the musical interludes. You can Instagram him at dadnap.mp3. Stay safe until next time. Thank you.